everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of BAM Sports and Entertainment. That's Sports and Matt, Sports and Entertainment. And lucky for you, that's our names, Boris and Matt. Bonjour! How is everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well. We hope you're staying cool. Boris, it is disgusting in Toronto. It is humid. All right, I left the house at 7.30, and I was a mistake. <laughs> it's already disgusting. You can bump your head on the air. Thick, humid day in Toronto. Oh, yeah, you can just feel it in the air, like, between headaches and lack of sleep and everything. It's just absolutely nasty uh, week. But uh, you know what? We have the content that's going to cool you off because on this week's BAM Sports and Entertainment, we actually have so much wrestling talk, so much pro wrestling talk, that we are going to forego the sports chat and we're going to get straight into the sports entertainment because we have not one, not two, but three Ring of Honor shows to chat about. And then we have a crazy episode of Primetime Wrestling. That is the Macho Man Randy Savage a bachelor party from 30 years ago in the lead-up to the match made in heaven. And funny enough, we're also going to be talking about SummerSlam 1991. And it was billed as the match made in heaven, match made in hell, double main event, double special. Yeah, it was a very interesting show. We're going to go back 30 years ago today, as of the day we're recording this, August 26th. 1991 was the date of SummerSlam 91, live from Madison Square Garden. Very memorable show, classic wrestling match on it, and a lot to uh, a lot to talk about. So we're going to go back in time, just to briefly gloss over that. And like you said, we're also going to talk about the Macho Man Bachelor Party, which was insane. So by classic wrestling match, you mean the jailhouse uh, match, right? <laughs> of course, the Mountie, Boris. Of course, I mean the great Mountie. He always gets his man. Exactly. And not Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart. <laughs> Whom? Mr. Perfect? No, I'm not familiar with his work. No, of course, Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart. One of the great matches in the history of the WWF. One of the best matches of the 1990s. And you can argue it's not even their best WWF match or their best pay-per-view match of the 90s. Because King of the Ring 93, they also had a banger. But we'll get into the finer points of that later on yeah sports a little uh it's the dog days boris and we have so much to talk wrestling wise we're gonna we're gonna skip the sports chat just for this week though we'll be back uh in like full force next week yeah because next week we're gonna be chatting nfl we're gonna be chatting yes. we're gonna have a clear picture of the mlb playoff race and uh you know the lack of toronto blue jays in it but there's so much to talk about next week but this week we just have so much we wanted to take a retro look it just the the calendar worked out perfect uh for us to chat about 1991 1991 was a crazy year in wwf but we'll get into that um in a little bit matthew mateo how's it everything going Oh, life is good other than the fact that it's just disgusting. It's really hot in my apartment. We need air conditioning. I don't have any uh, yet. <laughs> That's going to be rectified next year, I feel like. We might just wait it out at this point. But, man, yeah, just uh, pretty pretty gross. But, yeah, life is good. Staying in, uh, staying in high spirits, trying to stay hydrated, very busy with work and operation sports and stuff. I just put out an NHL uh, 22 video, and I have another one coming fairly soon about uh, WWE 2K22. It's already in the can, just a matter of when it's posted. But uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for those. Give them some uh, views and some thumbs-ups and a subscribe. That'll help me greatly. Thank you very much. 
Yeah. Um, just a question about WWE 22. Is that game, has it been officially delayed or is that still just... Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Officially, it will be release, released in March 2022. And Boris... I made this point in the video. I am very much okay with that. Take all the time you need. Rebuild this broken game. And we're hearing good things. Uh, there, There is rumors that, uh, that WWE and 2K are kind of not pleased with each other because WWE wanted the game released in October. And 2K wisely is actually taking their time with it, which is something they don't often do. Like NBA 2K22, for example, people are pretty pissed about that being kind of like forced out very early it's coming very soon and people are worried that it's not going to be ready so yeah you know what's funny about that and this is kind of like my take and this is going to be our geek talk before we move on to other stuff um and, and that's that like you know if you take a look at the video game industry right now everything is being delayed halo was delayed a year cyberpunk 2077 should not have come out um you know uh there everything is yeah, being yeah. delayed this uh the lego star wars the skywalker saga delayed indefinitely until like this week are we getting a better idea of a time frame but that's the thing. It's a time frame. Barely anyone is giving us dates right now for releases. There's many reasons for this, right? New systems, new APIs, new technology to learn. Um, you know, COVID has kind of done a thing for, for, for technical people. I can tell you from my life, you know, adjusting to working remotely, not myself, but everyone else working remotely has been a hell of a thing. And the last people who get to work remotely are developers. And, um, you know, they're actually working remotely, but setting up a system for them to work remotely sometimes takes a really long time. So those are yeah. like the things that you can't really measure. Uh, the intangibles, as they like to call them, my friend. Um, but, yes. uh, you know, th these things. And then, and then you know, the technology portion of stuff. You have PS, the next-gen systems that seem to, you know, these, these companies really want to embrace that tech. And it just takes a little time for you to get used to it. So it's inevitable for there to be a lot of delays. So for me, it's crazy to think that, like, you know, those games that come out every year, like your Maddens, like your NBAs, like your 2Ks, um, that they're still coming out on time. But as yeah. you know, these games are having a lot of issues right now. Big time. Yeah. Like, oh, people. Well, you saw WWE 2K20. That that was rushed to come out at its like given date. And the game was so bad that they had to like completely like retool the franchise from the ground up. Basically, it was so reviled, so terrible. And yeah, Madden is basically getting worse every year. 2K starts kind of unplayable and patches its way into greatness. And by the end of the year, NBA 2K is is a great sports game. Usually. But, it's, uh, yeah. it's funny you know, that you like say best, that because you know when I buy their the NBA 2K Christmas every Christmas it goes yeah. down to forty bucks and that's when yes, I find that the game is actually playable. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's when you pull shoot the the best game if you if you love baseball MLB the show always delivers it always delivers it's it's pretty it's pretty ready to go it doesn't uh it doesn't take enough risks it, it it doesn't innovate much that game but it's very very reliable i think that's the best sports game yeah for sure all right so that's the geek talk um you know you can always find chat like that at it's canon podcast my other podcast <laughs> you can find it at it's canon podcast.com <laughs> love it well done buddy well I done know. All right, man. How I gotta ask you, how's the Tinder game going? <laughs> no, 
that's all right. I don't know. Like, I still have this, I like, I still have my, like, kind of pen pal thing. We were just talking. Like, it would be so awesome if the border was open and we could actually see each other. And, like, but at this point, like, we're both, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. I'm kind of half in, half out with the Tinder game. But, you know, I've, I've, I've messaged a couple girls here. My Tinder experience that I met, like a girl, it didn't go necessarily the best. It was like fine, but it was just like a strange amount of drama. And we had like a three week relationship and I got in more fights in those three weeks than I've got in any relationship in my entire life. Basically yeah. even combined. Like That's... I'm not someone who gets in a lot of fights. Yes, but yeah, yeah, it was just. The, it was, <laughs> right so yeah sometimes it's just not a good match buddy but uh i don't know we'll see it's it, it's tough it's still the pandemic and cases are going up and it's it's not the it's not the summer of love that we were all hoping for yeah it's certainly not it's uh yeah no it's, it's far <laughs> from it but it's kind of funny that you say that because it's like sometimes you know at least you you recognize the warning signs there man my ex it was just insane. I should have ran within the first month. But, you know, sometimes you're an yeah. idiot and you try to pull it through. And next thing you know, you know, three, two years later, you're still fighting. And, uh, and yeah, then everything that's ever, anything wrong that's ever happened to her since you met her is your fault. Oh, no. Yeah, Boris, this is, yeah. We're getting down to a slippery slope here, buddy. But, yeah, no, I, I you know. Just gotta, you just gotta keep taking that bats, buddy, and then eventually you're gonna find the right person. Exactly, that's how that's, it works. Exactly I believe. It. I... <laughs> hey, you anyway, might even be lucky yeah, enough I, to find a uh, a gal who likes the wrestling. The, the you know, you never know. Yeah, you know what's really funny, man? I gave up on wrestling like full stop in 2007 after Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit was one of my heroes, man, and he was a Canadian hero. And people like love that guy. And when he did what he did, it was like, oh man, this wrestling business. Maybe I'm wrong about this shit. Like uh, this is pr a pretty grotesque thing. And then around 2010 or 11, I dated a girl who actually did really like wrestling in the Attitude Era, and she was a big wrestling fan. And that was part of like our bonding experience was like getting into wrestling again together. And I have been back on the wagon ever since. Uh, although it's funny, our guy was Alberto Del Rio. He was like our like we uh, each other's ringtone and stuff. He was our favorite wrestler. That did not age well, Boris. Oh Lord. <laughs> That is funny. That is funny. Much like that relationship, ultimately, it did not age well. She's oh, a great girl, though. We're still friends. I like her a lot. That's so funny. That is so funny. Uh, yeah, no, it's just it's been uh, yeah, it's just crazy times all around. But yeah, um, you know, it's 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 and it's also you know at least uh, for me, you know, dating in the big city, it's 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 quite interesting. Always, uh, you never know what you're gonna find under those 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 rocks and around the corners and whatnot. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, so Matt, I think we should get started because we have a lot to go through, and I left yeah. something off of the top of the show yeah something and, yeah. very important we'll, we'll put it in the description but boris you had a chat with someone in the wrestling business rising young star the shining star in my opinion of the nwa promotion yeah exactly and we are talking about colby carino if you recognize the name Carino, there's a very good reason. That's because this is the son of Steve Carino. And, uh, you know, we, we had a great chat yesterday. Um, you can find the full story at slam, slamwrestling.net. That's where it's going to be. But, you know, I can play a bit of the interview here. So that's exactly what I'm going to do right now. Um, so, you know, str straddle up. Have fun, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll be back in a second. 
thanks so much for uh, taking some time talking with us at Slam. Um, you know, with uh, just there's there seems to be so much going on in such a fun time. Um, you know, really exciting stuff happening in wrestling in general. So this is like a perfect timing. I'm sure that like you know being having a a dad that's known, especially during the Attitude Era, the ECW Era. Um, you know. Did that add pressure to you to get into the business? Like, did you kind of feel like you had to be better than everyone else? Or was, you know, uh, talk to me about your experience of getting into the business. I know you started training at such a young age, so it kind of feels like it was kind of in, inevitable for you to be in the business. I was actually like never pushed to actually be in the business, but my dad was super supportive of my decision to go. Like I've loved wrestling for, from such a young age. I was like always going my first wrestling show was when I was three weeks old, I went to my first ECW show. So, like, from the from the time I was a very small child, I was already uh, going to all the shows and getting in on the life. So, like, it was like you're saying, it felt like it was inevitable, in, inevitable that I would uh, end up being a wrestler. But it's not because, like, I, I felt pressured to or anything. It's just because I wanted to. The passion was there, right? And, it, and it's clear, like I said, you started training at such a young age, you know, and it kind of sounds like, you know, you, you were supported. You know, I know that officially you weren't trained by your dad. Can you tell me kind of like who trained you and kind of, you know, how long it was before you got into your first few shows and whatnot? So actually, is uh, it's a little backwards. I, I probably had my first real matches before I had any real training. Um Someone actually has been posting uh, on YouTube a lot of matches I had from when I was like four years old, five years old, like tag matches I'd have with my dad from uh, this promotion called UWC in New Jersey. And um, I consider like my my real debut when I was 12 years old. And that's like when I really started taking it seriously and like uh, and really learning like about it. And after that, like after that first match, first match when I was 12 years old, um, I started traveling a little bit more and training before shows with Mike Keener, who was um, originally a ref in ECW back day. Like if you go back and watch all the old tapes of uh, ECW MLW, there's Mike Keener right there in the ring. But um, yeah, he, he taught me a whole lot. I've also learned a lot from a uh, brutal Bob Evans from uh, yeah. ring of honor. Uh, theme. He also taught me a lot. Life on the road for you. Um, you know, how is your, your, how, do you travel alone? Do you travel with your family? Kind of like, you know, um, how, 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 how many shows do you tend to do in a week? I try not to overwork myself, but um, now that everything's opening back up, like I'm definitely getting myself a little ahead of myself and wrestling like two or three times a weekend. But um, I, I try to travel with my family. I like spending time with my, with my son and my fiance. They like to go to the shows and stuff. So um yeah 2020 must have just been like a real for lack of a better word and pardon my friend shit show it, it was definitely something and um we like we try to adjust in wrestling like uh the promotion that i work a lot with in north carolina um and the school that i help train at pwf and cwa like we were doing a lot of like studio tapings with no fan and it's so much different than wrestling without a crowd like uh and I got so used to it over the past year that like when i finally started wrestling in front of crowds again it felt it felt weird again you know but it did so much like the fans are just a, such an essential part of wrestling. Like it's hard for me to watch wrestling on TV where there's no fans at all. Like the, not having the sound and not having the reactions there is like, it feels like I'm missing an integral part of what's going on in the ring. 
there are probably some wrestlers who have never wrestled in front of people until recently, right? Like, um, you know, what kind of advice would you give them? It's like coming from, you know, literally empty arena shows that are being taped to actual fans and, and, and people like just giving you that extra push. Man, I actually have that uh, that problem right now. I have quite a few students that like started during COVID and um, have never actually performed in front of a crowd until very recently. And um, from what I like, what I can tell, it's like having your crowd there gives people that extra boost. It, like it gives you that extra adrenaline rush. It like it makes you go a little bit harder because you you feel like definitely more on stage. Because it, it's it's hard to like get yourself in the game mode when uh, when there's no one there, when there's not people like yelling and chanting and stuff. But when it does, it's like it gets it kicks into like next gear for me. You've been in the system. You've wrestled. You've made appearances with WWE. You've been in ROH, you know, and and, and done the quote unquote indies. Can you talk to me about kind of like the difference between being in that environment of the WWE system versus kind of you know you're your own boss, you do you type of uh, type of life? Oh man, there's like there's so many advantages and disadvantages to both. Like um. The, the corporate wrestling, as I like to like jokingly yeah. refer, but like they got all the catering, they got um, nice, the, like all the nice facilities and all this, but it just, it feels like there's, there's so many, I'm trying to think of the, the right word for it. Like there's, there's so much going on and it's not, not that it's overproduced, but it needs to be a lot more produced, a lot more overseen than what happens on, on an indie level. There's where, like, on an indie level, I feel like that I can be a little bit more Colby Carino, have a little bit more freedom with what I do. And I, I really enjoy that freedom. Right now, you've made quite a few appearances with NWA. We had the, the Champion Series. You were in the final match with Sal Renaro. Um, how cool was it that, you know, you were kind of in the match that won it for your team? Team Pope, Team Velvet, like that. That must have been kind of like a nice little distinction, you know, a nice little bow. It definitely, it, it like I feel like it lit something up in me. Like um, we we taped all the things in NWA in advance, so I had to be real quiet about it for a while. But um, once once it like showed, like I just I don't know. It, it felt like it kicked something in my mind that it's like all right now, it's it's like someone recognizes what I'm doing. So now I have to work even harder because I know someone is watching and I know people are watching. And that's exactly it. You know, that's exactly where I wanted to go with this. It's like you're being recognized for your work, for everything that you've done. And here you are having that distinction of closing out the champion series. Not only that, but winning it for your team and leading into, you know, the possibility of you having that title match, which that in itself, you know, the historic NWA title like that. That's got to be, you know, pretty cool knowing that at some point, you know, you're, you're going to have an opportunity at something. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited. Um, so not just sure which which championship I'm going to go after. Yeah. But I don't know. All the belts have such prestige for me. And, like, they're all very important for, like, a different reason, too. This weekend, it is a huge weekend for yourself and for NWA. But before we talk about your Friday night, let's talk about continue talking about nwa it is the 73rd anniversary show on saturday night it is in power um you know it's it's great seeing the women's sport of wrestling just getting the attention that it finally deserves um and i know that you know being a part of the nwa like you know talk to me about like how awesome it is kind of seeing these women finally being recognized for their all of their work similar to you being recognized and closing out the champion series 
it, it makes me so happy to like to, to see Mickey James putting together the Empower pay per view, especially when she's like picking out people like like Jamie Senegal, who is one of my best friends from such a, like a, a while back. Like it, it, it's it's people like her that I feel like haven't gotten the spotlight that Mickey James is extending it to, and I just I really like looking at the talent that she's assembled in all the matches. Like it's it's going to be a great show. So let's talk about Sunday, NWA 73. I'm assuming that you're going to be in the Battle Royal. Can, is, can you talk about that? Or, you know, can you talk about the event and kind of, and, and you know, what your mindset is going into the weekend? Whew. So I'm, I'm almost positive I'm in this Battle Royal. So I feel, I, I, with the Battle Royal, I feel uh, we get another shot at the NWA championship. But I feel like, that's just a, an insurance policy. I already got like a title shot in my back pocket. So I'm just, I'm very intrigued to see what the the rest of the weekend has to offer with NWA 73 and beyond and what happens after that too, you know? And moving forward, you know, what, where do you see yourself in NWA? Where do you see yourself heading? Uh, you know, what is Colby Carino's plan for, for tomorrow and beyond? I'm just aiming for some gold. I feel like that, a Carino without NWA gold is, uh, I don't know, it feels wrong. So I feel like yep. uh, I have my name in the history books. I have to get my name on one of those side plates. Now with the forbidden door open, where does Kobe Carino want to go outside of NWA? Does he have plans to, to, to you know, uh, show up on Impact or AEW? You know, what does the future hold for Kobe Carino? Well, I, I can't talk about a little bit of everything, <laughs> but um, I got... I've been filling out my calendar uh, just this past week and the next few months are looking pretty crazy in a good way. Right. Like um, if you, if you like indie wrestling, I think I'll be popping up in a few of your favorite places, you know? All right, there you go. Um, again, that was such a fun chat. Like we, you know, it's, it's, he's such a cool guy. He's so passionate. Like Matt, I wish I could, post the video just because as he was talking about life on the road as he's talking about his uh, pwf school and his promotion you could just like see the passion in it um right. it was so cool to to see that especially on someone that's only 24 years old with 12 years experience like think about that no that's that's like mathematically that's insane if you think about it for one second but yeah that's that crazy good on him man and uh yeah maybe that's the next the next step in the bam evolution we gotta start doing some video interviews chris van vliet style exactly Fred exactly. Van Vliet style yeah. shooting shots for us exactly that that's what we gotta do and we will do we have so much planned you know right now where we are with bam is we wanted to start something we wanted to expand um you know our our interests matt and i yeah. We love sports. We love wrestling. We just wanted to talk sports and wrestling, hence BAM. Um, and, you know, but 2022 is going to be an awesome year, I think, for BAM, for both of us. We have so much on the go. And, um, sure. you know, it's funny because we're so busy when you think about it. But I'm so happy doing this stuff. Oh, man, I agree. Like, yeah, we're very lucky and blessed. And, and like, yeah, just got to keep this ball rolling, man. This this is a... Uh, it, the snowball is gathering snow. It's rolling downhill, and let's just keep uh, adding to that big old snowball. Yep, and uh, with that said, I think it's time to start talking about some wrestling shows that we watched over the week uh, because there's a lot on the go. And then to close the show, we're going to be doing our preview or pick contest to NWA. 
Um, so yeah, yes. it's a huge weekend for them, as you know. You can read from my slam dot slamwrestling dot net interview. Uh, so yeah, uh, there's a lot to go. So let's start with some Ring of Honor, and let's start with some Ring of Honor TV, uh, because as always, there were three matches, um, and this was a uh, you know I gotta say Ring of Honor is always really weird because of its syndicated nature. Um, you know they often have a TV show as their pay-per-views are literally happening. Um, and and now that I'm covering ROH, I was interested to kind of see how they did this. Because I'll be honest, was I watching ROH TV regularly before I started covering it? No. No, I wasn't. No. Um, no, of course. But, you know, it's just because, you know, for me, ROH, for the longest time, there were, I had a lot of issues with it. Um, and a lot of the issues are, are starting to go away. Um, but... Um, you know, overall, it's it, it was a very interesting show, kind of interesting yeah. how they did this, because we are still in the middle of the Women's Championship Tournament. There are still some stories that they are building to for their next major shows in September. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was really interesting. Uh, so, you know, uh, aired August 21st, three matches. The opening um, uh, kind of went through last week's Champions versus All-Stars 10-Men tag main event which again i still implore people to go and check that out um the show kicked off with an interview brian zane interviewed our sweetheart quinn mckay and roxy um mckay took offense to roxy previously stating that she would prefer to face mckay um than meet mandy leone in the quarterfinals because you know she wanted the easy win so again I love the fact that they are kind of building tension, trying to build a one-night story out of people who a lot of viewers might not know. Yeah, I thought this was a clever promo too. I really like both uh, both women are very very like you can tell they're like young, green on the microphone, but they both are like they understand how to cut a promo. They're getting their personalities across in a very good way. Roxy did not seem like arrogant in this in this exchange. I thought it was pretty good. Well, also remember, Roxy is like is so young, so this is kind of like par yeah. for course for someone that age, right? Like it's like, why exactly. do I want to fight? You know, the 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 foxy veteran, right? Like I I would rather get the easy road through the through the tournament. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, exactly right. It, it worked it, for her level of experience. It worked for her for her actual character and her age. Yeah, I thought it was great. And this is perfectly fine pro wrestling storytelling, like you said. A good little one night story that paid off immediately in ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. And what did you think of the match itself? It was a it was a pretty basic match. Like it was from two newcomers, you know. But I thought they did really really well uh, a term brian alvarez likes to use is they idiot proofed the match by which he means they didn't do too much they they did a couple of high spots but by and large they kind of just kept it simple but it was still very good it was a rewarding match i believe uh it went 10 minutes and 14 seconds so yeah it was a it was a solid ROH TV match, above average wrestling match. Yeah, exactly. Roxy performed a code red, scored the clear pin. They shook hands before and after the match. So Roxy defeated Quinn McKay in ten minutes fourteen seconds, as Matthew said, to advance to the semifinals of the tournament. Um, you know, I like this match overall. As Matt said, what I really enjoy about ROH, and it's something that you know. Paul Heyman always talked about, and that's kind of like hiding, um, you know, the negatives of someone, hiding what they're not good at. So you highlight what people are actually good at. For someone like Quinn McKay, for someone like Roxy, who are so new to the, to actually wrestling in the ring, performing matches 
or TV, you know, you want to keep it basic. And sometimes those basic matches, if done right, they're good. Exactly. They're per- they're perfectly fine pro wrestling watching. Like I could watch this every week. So yeah, I would give it put it in that three handshake range, boys. What do you think? I agree 100% with you. I actually would give this three handshakes, three code of honors out of five. All right, match number two, Nicole Savoy and uh, versus Miranda Elise. Again, this is in for the Women's Championship Tournament. Um, what did you think of this match? Yeah, I th- it's very similar to the, to the previous one, although it wasn't as exciting. It was... I don't know, something about it. Maybe they just, the styles didn't quite click to me. I don't know, but I, I felt it more to be more of an average match. Like, it didn't have the pace, didn't have, like, the excitement. Maybe it was just, like, the youth of the characters kind of buoyed the previous match, and these were kind of just two, like, random, more wrestlers. But yeah, I thought it was more of an average Mendoza line kind of match. Yeah. Still, still fine, nothing wrong with it. You know what's funny? You know what I honestly think it is? I think it's because, like, we know Quinn McKay so well in terms of her on-screen persona, her bubbly yeah. persona. Like, how can you not love Quinn McKay as a backstage interviewer? Um, so I honestly think that we found that match more interesting just because we knew who they were, and it had a natural setup to the match with that backstage promo. It just goes to show you, right? But this match, in theory, were two, quote-unquote, better performers but like you said just something didn't click i don't know if the story they were trying to tell us just didn't hit us um but overall like it was an okay match when 13 minutes four yeah. seconds um and elise performed a drive-by running knee and won the match that way yeah absolutely so yeah i personally would give it more of like the the average rating i would say probably two and a half out of uh, five two and a half handshakes but again like your mileage may vary. We focus more on kind of the storytelling and the overall thing. Some people focus just strictly on the in-ring work, and I would definitely hear an argument that this match was superior to the previous in that regard. Yep. And then the uh, main event was Ray Horace versus Demonic Flamita in a no-DQ match. Um, this match actually only went 12 minutes, 8 seconds, but it was an awesome 12 minutes and 8 seconds. Yeah. You know what's funny? It was these guys are great and it was crazy, but it did feel like they kind of left a little it was the TV match. It, it's like they they you can tell that they left just a little bit on on the table, you know what I mean? It was a regular season performance. It wasn't a playoff performance, but it was still great. Like these guys are awesome. Yeah, exactly. And but that's but like what's <laughs> I have a question, Matt, for you. As someone who watches a lot of wrestling, um, I know that we analyze a lot, but we also try to watch as fans first. What type of TV matches do you like more? Do you like the TV match where they're trying to promote something, um, like a pay-per-view or or the next match? Or do you like it when they leave it on the table and just give it their all for the TV match? It's a it's a giant cop out for me to say this, and it's the worst answer. But both, you need the balance, Boris. You need it's the it, in an entire TV show. You need a mix. You can't just have a TV show of PWG matches where everything's a WrestleMania main event. Everyone's kicking out of every match or every move. But you can do that once or even twice on a show. And I kind of like where NXT is at, although. Well, the stories they're telling are largely shit and weird, but I kind of like the idea of one awesome match in the opener, one awesome match in the main event, and then the middle of the show kind of is your storyline, your promo, and your squashes, right? I don't mind that, 
Except, yeah, on NXT, the only problem is the storylines are weird, the squashes are are bad, and oftentimes the opening match kind of sucks now, too. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, exactly. But that is, you know, one of the issues that I have with AEW, and that's that they leave it, they give it their all, no matter what. And then you yeah. have an episode like last night where, you know, it was a little slower, a little more promo heavy, and I'm noticing that Dynamite is becoming a little more promo heavy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, you just you really see the difference in TV. Um, and it's just unfortunate because, you know, especially after CM Punk's return, you know that there were a lot of eyes on Dynamite, and unfortunately, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a lot of people who said yeah. the episode wasn't good, you know, or something like that. You know what? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I, I still think a bad Dynamite, and it was a bad Dynamite by Dynamite standards, but a bad Dynamite is still a good wrestling show. You know what I mean? A bad Dynamite is still overall better than most things that you're going to watch in the professional wrestling business in 2021, so... I don't know. I, I still like it. But it is kind of shitty that as soon as Dynamite gathers momentum, they put on, like, a good show, and they're about to pop a huge rating. They always kind of under-deliver. It's been, like, the fourth or fifth time they've done this, where they, they're about to pop a huge rating, and they kind of under-delivered on the Dynamite. Yeah, so back to ROH. Flamita follow, um, won with a corkscrew moonsault. Got the clean win, one in 12 minutes, eight seconds in a no DQ match. Um, you know, this was pretty good. I overall like this. Um, you know, it's 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 you it's Flamita, Ray Horace, demonic yeah. Flamita, that is. You're gonna get a good match between these people. Um, and Flamita is obviously being built up to be the next contender against Bandito. Yeah, I'm super for it. They're going to have a good match. Yeah, I thought this was, uh, you know, a very good work. I thought it was three and a half handshakes out of five kind of level. I want to call it great, but still very, very good, proper TV main event. Yep. All right. So we're going to go into the, uh, the the special from last weekend, Ring of Honor, Glory by Honor. It was a two-night uh, event, um, and it, it took place in Philadelphia, former ECW arena and uh you know it, it's you got exactly what you thought you were going to get from the crowd so nice. what i'm going to nice. do is i'll kind of blow by the matches tell you who won kind of give you some backstory if anything major happened um but you know it's it's ring of honor it's a, just a lot of random matches with a little bit of story and i'm not saying that random matches are bad most of these matches were actually very good but you know, I I don't want to yeah I don't I don't I don't want to take longer than the matches itself to talk about a match right right yeah. and I unfortunately have not seen either night of Glory by Honor so night one and night two Boris you are driving this bus here buddy all right so night one Friday August twentieth uh, the first match saw Ray Oris go up against Silas Young we started off with a promo right away because I think that's that's a brilliant way to start. Um, your wrestling show in the 2300 Arena, ECW Arena, uh, because it's like you know you want to get the crowd involved. So Silas Young gets on the mic. He says, ROH could have picked any city for this show, but they decided to go to where ROH really started. He called Philadelphia the worst wrestling city in the USA, and he wanted the mm -hmm. fans to show him the respect he deserves after he beats Ray Oris. And Matt, guess what happened? Uh, did he beat Ray Horace? He Horace? actually beat Ray Horace. Like, I, I kind of, as funny as it sounds, it was a kind of a mini swerve because how often does the heel go on the mic, you know, talk trash about a city, talk trash about his opponent, and actually gets the win? 
<laughs> that's actually a good point, especially Silas Young. Like, I'm actually kind of surprised whenever he wins at ring, in Ring of Honor these days. Not that he's bad. He's great. I like Silas Young a lot. But he's just, like, the old, older – he's the old dog, you know what I mean? So I guess they got they can't just beat him like a drum. He's got to win eventually. He's got to win sometimes. So. Yep, exactly. So Silas Young won in, at 7 minutes, 58 seconds. As an opener, this was good. I'm going to give this three Code of Honors out of five. Match number two saw Demonic Flamita versus Eli Ism versus Dak Draper versus PJ Black versus Mike Bennett versus Danhausen. And the winner was going to be newly ranked in the ROH world title picture. And just like we talked about during the TV, Demonic Flamita won at 11 minutes, 47 seconds. Um, and, you know, this is the issue. It was a under 12-minute match, and there were so many people. So it was kind of your typical multi-man match. But luckily, like your typical multi-man match, everyone was able to shine. You kind of saw different combinations of people. So overall, it was a pretty good match. But I think that for such a short match, there were too many people. So because of that, I'm going to have to give this the Mendoza line, two and a half handshakes out of five. Nice, feel ya. And I'm just, I'm just here on the results. Looks like Flamita pinned Danhausen. Love that Danhausen for the victory. Yep, yep. Um, all right, match number three was a women's match: the Allure, Angelina, Angelina Love, and Mandy Leon versus Vita Von Star and a mystery partner. Chelsea Green was on commentary. Uh, the mystery partner for Vita Von Star was actually Max the Impaler. I praised her uh, just last week. I really liked the the character because it's rare to see you know and and i know we we see this often now but it's rare to see a lot of character work with women um you know especially in roh so it was kind of cool that they have maxine paler who's like full character um anyways so um uh, vita von star maxine paler won six minutes 39 seconds and it was a roll-up win from Vance von star to leon and again this match was a little slower and I'm going to have to Mendoza line this one at two and, a, two and a half handshakes out of five. Right on, right on. Um, so, yeah, so reading this, it looks like there was a little bit of a post-match beatdown ski going on here, eh? Yeah, 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 exactly. And and, and it's I like it just because, you know, the issue with Ring of Honor, the women's division, the women of honor, as it used to be called, was that it was kind of like just matches. They're finally giving them time to shine, you know? Um, I still right. think that they deserve more time, but I like the fact that there's actually stories being told for once. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, the, the actual storytelling and professional wrestling might actually help these characters become popular and engaging. What a concept, Boris. I don't know, right? Yeah, so uh, Max Muscle, female Max Muscle, Max the Impaler, uh, Maxine Muscle, if you will, lost uh, Mandy Leon through a table. It appears, uh, and yeah, and they beat they beat down the allure. Dang, yep. put, which put is these, interesting, uh, just because it was kind of like you know the allure are kind of like your your mean girls, your bullies, and it's interesting to see that they're getting beaten up. But again, Max the Impaler kind of is um, just a full on character, so I kind of like that. That you know, no matter what the allure is, they won't be able to be mean girls to Max the Impaler. So I kind of enjoyed that match number four. My match of the night, EC3 versus the hometown boy, Brian Johnson. I never thought I would actually say EC3 is part of my match of the night, but, you know, nice. the crowd 
made this match. Brian Johnson got a huge ovation. It was insane. Um, Johnson delivered a low blow to EC3. The referee had his back turn. EC3 hit a single arm DDT, his double underhook suplex, and then he put e, uh, Brian Johnson in the purpose. Uh, and he grabbed his hand during this submission and he starts slapping the hand on the mat. Referee was in an awkward position. So EC3 gets the win at 12 minutes, 51 seconds with some shenanigans and he beat the hometown boy. See, man, it's not just WWE who beats the hometown boy up. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's okay when you're trying to put a strong heel over. Like you can't, you can't always have the hometown boy win because that becomes cliche as well. So it, it, it you know, it's not just, you can't just throw it out all, all the time. Like I feel like this was the time to do it. And Brian Johnson is a, Lower level character EC3 is getting the main event push in Ring of Honor. No, I like it. it. Sounds like uh, it sounds like a good match. I love a hot Philadelphia crowd. Who doesn't, buddy? Exactly. Match five: Bateman versus Mark Briscoe. Uh, Mark Briscoe won six minutes eighteen seconds. Pretty basic match. Uh, he won with a Spicoli driver and a froggy bow. You know nothing, nothing to this match. After the match, Dutch actually attacked briscoe bateman joined in on the beatdown and mike bennett of all people came out to save the day for mark briscoe right on so it sounds like you're going about two-ish range for that mark briscoe match what are you thinking about what would you put a rating on the ec3 versus brian johnson match? i would have to give it a three and a half three and a half handshakes nice yeah nice 70 percent match here very good Yep, match six it was for the roh pure championship jonathan gresham versus rhett Titus, uh, Jonathan Gresham won in 14 minutes, 44 seconds, and there was, you know, pinning combinations, uh, Gresham got Red Titus down, used his weight, because he's a kind of, you know, as small as he is, he's, he's a big guy, thick. he's your Taz, big thick boy, yeah, he's he's like your Taz, and he, he got the pin that way, what I love about, not only do I love the pure matches, but I love the fact that Jonathan Gresham wins differently in every single match. Yeah. So yeah, reading the results here, they rolled around the ring for like a good like amount of time doing yeah. like the British wrestling style spots, and then Grisham just actually won during yeah. that melee. Yeah. I love a finish like that. That's that sounds like a pretty dope finish. Uh, Jonathan Gresham matches are always great. He like you said, like he always comes up with a new way to win these matches. Always has a fun, unique, clever finish. Gresham's a great wrestler. Yep. I would give this match also three and a half handshakes out of five. But the reason I would say EC3 and Brian Johnson was my match of the night is because of that hometown reaction that Brian Johnson got. All right. Match number seven, Valence Unlimited versus La Facción Ingobernable. Um, this one was your just your your stable wars. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, your boy... King uh, Brody, he, he hit a move that was missed because of a production issue, uh, but he did end up pinning Bestia for the win at 15 minutes, 30 seconds. Okay, enough match. Three handshakes out of five. Yeah, lots of plunder, and they missed the finish. Oh, that kind of sucks. Yeah. But uh, yeah, such is such is life in an indie promotion. Yep, and then the main event was for the ROH World Championship as your champion Bandita went up against Flip Gordon. This match ended up going up just under or just over 17 minutes, and it was pretty good. Uh, Flip Gordon, you know, he's had a few nasty injuries and he's had to kind of change his style. He was like, yeah. you know, as his name says, he was very flippy before, um, but now he's more technical. Um, you you said his name earlier, so we'll say his name again. He's kind of turning into a Chris Benoit like wrestler. 
Yes, yeah, I feel you. Chris Benoit, a Dean Malenko type Pokemon is yes. this flip Gordon. Yep. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, Bandito won. Uh, he put the 21 Plex. The one issue that I'm having with Bandito matches is that the, it's kind of like uh, Jay Lethal matches. The entire match, they're looking for their finishers. I don't have mm. a major issue with it, but it's every single match. Yeah, it becomes like a trope, like a crutch, if you will. Yeah, to do it every time is, yeah, it's a little lazy. But, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm uh, I've done some stand-up comedy, Boris, and damned if I don't do the same five minutes in every set. So I can't really talk too much, you know. Well, yeah, it is what it is, right? But uh, <laughs> just because of that, like my personal feelings towards wrestling and the way that I like because I watch so much, I kind of like seeing variation. Hey, do what you want yeah. on house shows. Do the yeah, same yeah. match on house shows, but for TV. It's got to be changed up a little bit. So, unfortunately, I'm going to Mendoza line this match. Two and a half handshakes out of five. Dang. Bandito is still your champ. So, after the match, EC3 walks to the ring. Bandito and EC3 have a stare down. Brody King walked out and said that EC3 isn't next in line. It's him. EC3 pushes King um, as Flamita ran and a brawl just broke out to end the show. All right, so that's night one. Crazy brawl to end a show in Philadelphia. Pretty standard. I feel like that's it's kind of almost got to happen, you know? Especially when you're in the 2300, Boris, that ex-ECW, formerly the ECW arena, formerly a bingo hall. Yep. All right, let's move into night two. So night two started off hot for me, and it was honestly one of my favorite matches, and that was Dan Housen versus Dalton <laughs> Castle. Uh, so this match had a stipulation. If Dan Housen won, Dalton Castle would have to put him in the f next Family Feud uh, game. That's hilarious. No way. Yeah. <laughs> Short, match. Dan Short match. Short yeah. match. Uh, you know, I like Dan Housen. Love the character work. Love the mic work. I think he's hilarious. I think he's great. But again, very similar matches always. You know, he'll bring out the jar of teeth, put the teeth in you, do a kick, and then something's going to happen with the teeth. This time, Dalton Castle actually hit the bangerang on some teeth for the win at eight minutes and two seconds. Nice, nice. All right. Well, poor Danhausen not getting on that family feud. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I can see that for sure. Uh, I don't see too much of Danhausen still. I've probably seen like 10 Danhausen matches and a few promos online and stuff. And I listened to the Danhausen Conan O'Brien podcast. So I'm I'm not burnt out on the Danhausen style, but I can definitely see that. He's like a uh he's like a he's like a PG Nick Gage almost. He has his three or four things that are going to happen in every match no matter what. Of all the people you could have chosen. I love that. Um, <laughs> but it's true, but it's I'm true. Yeah. I'm making weird uh, comparisons lately. I might make it my thing, Boris. <laughs> I know, right? All right, so I would give this match a uh, three handshakes out of five because of the character work and just because they're amazingly funny. Match number two, um, LSG versus the world-famous CB Cheeseburger. Um, uh, LSG won seven minutes, 22 seconds. This match was Mendoza line for me. Uh, two and a half handshakes out of five. Um, after the match, was, both uh, men adhered to the code of honor. How's what? I was going to say, sorry to interrupt you, buddy. How's world famous CB looking these days? I was a big cheeseburger fan. I can't wait for his eventual team up with Leon Ruff. <laughs> yeah. 
I know you're being sarcastic, but I actually I'm can't not wait. being sarcastic. Bring it on. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> Let's do it. Yep. All right. We go to the back. Quinn McKay, our homegirl, says she has some bad news for Mark Briscoe. She's playing the uh, the Bray Wyatt for the night. Uh, Jay Briscoe is unable to compete, so Mark needs to find a new tag team partner. Brian Johnson is just yelling and screaming at people randomly in the back. Um, he walks by the camera. He sees Mark. Mark just slaps him in the chest and basically says, "Tag, you're it." <laughs> All right, I'm for it. Uh, how could you ever dislike a Mark Briscoe uh, backstage segment? Yep, exactly. I just want more Papa Briscoe. That's what I need more in my life of. <laughs> oh, man, you remember the fight on the farm? Honestly, one of my top 50 matches of the year, like at, probably at minimum. Like that thing was great. I loved the fight on the farm. Oh, I loved it. I loved every second of it. Um, all right, match number three, uh, women's match. Maria Canellas was on commentary. Miranda Alize and Roxy versus Chelsea Green and Willow. Uh, Miranda Alize and Roxy won at 7 minutes, 47 seconds via pinfall. Pretty simple match. Mendoza lining this one, two and a half handshakes out of five. I'm liking that Roxy's just getting wins, though. Push this young talent. If you're going to literally say on commentary, Terry, this girl has the potential to be the Connor McDavid of women's wrestling. She has the potential to be the Michael Jordan of women's wrestling. She better win a lot. Yep. So I'm glad that she's she's winning a lot. You know, it, it's you know, it's the consi- consistency of what you're trying to tell us with a character and what you're actually showing us. There's a company yes. based out of Connecticut that doesn't do this, and it's why <laughs> yeah. we can't connect to their characters. Million percent, buddy. Hundred hundred thousand percent agree. Match number four, ROH six-man championship, Shane Taylor promotions versus Incoherence. Again, pretty simple match. Uh, Shane Taylor hits a knee uh, on Marcus Garvey uh, and the Marcus Garvey driver for the win. Uh, So your winners were Shane Taylor promotions at 13 minutes, 17 seconds. This match was a little crazy, but it was fun. So I'm going to give this three handshakes out of five. Nice, nice. How did our boy Moses look? Dude. He's he's destined for some something good, something fun. What promotion? I don't know. Um, this is one of the people like I'm like hoping ROH. They can't be the Montreal Expos of wrestling. They gotta yes. keep some of these guys. And actually, like win the World Series one of these years. Yeah, man, I feel you. Yeah, hopefully Moses goes on to great heights somewhere. Let's let's make it ROH. Yep, match number five, Demonic Flamita and Flip Gordon versus Mark Briscoe and Brian Johnson. This match was a lot of fun because of the home crowd. Um, Mark Briscoe and Brian Johnson won at 11 minutes, 26 seconds. Um, You know, this one, this match was perfectly fine. Three handshakes out of five. Nice. How did our boy Brian Johnson look? Dude, he's he's so good. One thing about Brian Johnson is he needs to calm down sometimes as he's wrestling. I think we've talked yeah. about this on our ROH uh, reviews of the pay-per-views where he just screams too much. He's always at an 11. You know, he, he you yeah. can be this angry character. You can be this like, you know, I'm, I'm too cool or whatever he's trying to portray. But, you know, a little more subtle. Right. Even if you're always at 11, you just have nowhere to go. Even if you dial it back to 10 or 9 once in a while and then go back to 11, that's fine. That's all you need. Robert Stone uh, runs into the same problem, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Match number six, Violence Unlimited versus The Foundation. Violence Unlimited won. This match went way too long. Um, Ah. Essentially... 
Jay Lethal and Deppin were alone in the ring. Lethal hit the lethal injection. This match had pandemonium. It had your multi-man match stuff, your tropes, but everyone was able to get a spot in. But overall, it went a little too long. Um, so I'm going to Mendoza line this one. Two and a half stars. Dang. Two and a half handshakes out of five. You can talk me into making this a three, but like I said, it's just like uh, too many multi-man matches. This this card felt a little New Japan for me. Fair enough, man. Hey, fair enough. I didn't see it. I can't argue it. Yep. Match number seven, Bandito and Ray Oris versus La Facción Ingobernable. Um, Dragon Lee are, and uh, Rush. So uh, La Facción ended up winning at 13 minutes and one seconds. Um, Rush hit a running kick on Oris in the corner. So luckily, Bandito didn't take the pin. But he did lose, so now La Facción, Rush, and Dragon Lee are going to make their case that they should be next in line. Uh, so this match nice. went 13 minutes, one second. I'm going to give this one a three and a half handshakes out of five. Nice, yeah, crazy lucha tag, I'm guessing, based yep. on those four oh, names. Yeah. And then it was the main event. Oh, <laughs> Vincent <laughs> versus Matt Taven in a steel cage. Man, this match went 19 minutes. 24 seconds okay oh, man i cannot i cannot tell you how much i'm sitting here going you know what wrestling needs right now more 20 minute matt taven matches boris you know matt when we were growing up watching wrestling what would steel cage matches be uh they would be uh, a purpose to keep the match in the ring keep interfering parties out and settle a feud once and for all you know Everything that you just said didn't happen in this in this match. Yes, it was the blow off, but people were interfering. Things were happening. They even left. Like it was. It was. It's, this match was just so dumb. It was so dumb. And Matt Taven wasn't in. It was just horrible. Matt, 19 minutes, 24 seconds. Vincent won, and I'm gonna have to give this one one handshake Oof. out of five. Too long. Oof. Defeated the purpose of a steel cage. And while I understand why it was the main event, it should not have closed the show. Hey, fair enough, man. I can't really argue anything that you said. There. It seems like it was a barbed wire. Like you said, they left the steel cage. We're fighting all over the ECW arena. It seems like they wanted to have an ECW main event. Problem was, ECW main events were often trash. Yep. Exactly, exactly, and and again, it was a different it was a different era of wrestling. Right now, you you you've seen it all. You've seen it all, you know. But back then, ECW yeah. was was new. It was different. It was hip. Also, you and I, like we were what? I was I was thirteen. You were ten. Like we were kids. That was yeah. our shit, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Nineteen ninety seven. I was ten. So yeah, right when ECW had already peaked and was kind of going downhill after the first pay per view. I was just starting to become aware of it. Like the first, the first knowledge I ever had of ECW was like the the WWE invasion in 1997. You know what my first exposure to ECW was? Um, there was a a indie show um, here in Toronto. They wrestled at a strip club, but it was an all ages show. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it was Terry Funk versus Abdullah the Butcher. Wow, what year was that? I want to say in between 97 and 99. Oh, oh dang. That's crazy. Yeah. No, no doubt. Yep. Terry Funk versus Abdullah in in a strip club in Mississauga. No yep. doubt. <laughs> oh, 
Anyways, so that was ROH, three shows, uh, two nights. Overall, I'm really enjoying what ROH is doing right now. But if anyone from ROH is listening, please, 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 number one, don't put Matt Taven in the main events. Number two, <laughs> um, get the crowds back, please. Yeah, it seems like the crowd really helped these Philadelphia shows. And yeah, the, the TV show, as good as the promos are sometimes, sometimes the promos are terrible, sometimes they're good. The in-ring matches are always good technically, but boy, you need the fans back. Do whatever you can to get even a small amount of people in those buildings, please. Yep. All right, so let's move on to our retro look into yes. SummerSlam 1991, Macho Man's Bachelor party. All of this was crazy. Um, 1991 was generally a crazy year for WWE. You know, it was pre-drug trial for Vincent McMahon. But, you know, this is the beginning of the transition of power in terms of who the stars were. You know, we are just coming off of um, WrestleMania 7. Macho Man is quote-unquote retired leading into this show, hence the match made in uh, in heaven. Um, and the end of the show saw him officially kind of come back. Uh, Hulk Hogan is once again your champion. Ultimate Warrior is on his way out literally after this show. Um, so, you know, it was a very interesting and, and transitional time. But then if you look at kind of like the mid-card, you had your Mr. Perfects and you had your Bret Hart's who were really starting to make an impact um, in the company. And then you they were trying out new characters like the Mountie, like a face big boss man. So it was a very interesting time in WWE world. Um, so, you know, Undertaker was really starting to gain a lot of momentum around this time. Um, you know, it, it, it was, it, it, for me, this is kind of like when I really started following wrestling. Like, yeah, I, I've been watching for a few years, but when you're watching, you're just watching, right, as a kid. This is when I'm like, I really started following wrestling and started really trying to find where i could watch wrestling because unlike today we used to have watch watch wrestling in syndication which is a, such a crazy concept now that you think about it um but yeah, yeah you know uh yeah so like i said this was a interesting time for wwf especially when you know that like a year later basically everything would be up in the air just because of the drug trial Ultimate Warrior is gone from the company. Macho Man is kind of like, you know, in, in this uh, purgatory, for lack of a better word. Um, and Hulk Hogan was just in and out a lot around this time. Uh, so, so yeah. And then, you know, they, they were signing people like the real world's champion, Ric Flair, around this time. Yeah. You had Sid... Uh, said justice coming into the company. So yeah, it was, a, it was like a lot was going on around this time. Hundred thousand percent, buddy. Uh, well put. All that good, good. Uh, you know, summary of where we were at in 1991. It is very interesting because the Ultimate Warrior had already quote unquote failed at the top. Like he's already gotten the ball and they decided that they didn't like the way that he ran with it. So they're kind of, like you said, like Macho Man is retired, but they're doing, they're setting up this angle to bring him back into the ring. Ultimate Warrior is about to leave. Uh, Hulk Hogan, one foot out the door. It's very, very interesting time. You got Ric Flair coming in. You got Mr. Perfect going out. You got Bret Hart ascending up the card. You got Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty about to split up. All kinds of things happening here at SummerSlam 1991. So before we hit SummerSlam 91, let's talk about the Bachelor Party. Yes. 
Yes, sir. So, yeah, the bachelor party, we're, a, a big reason why we're doing SummerSlam in the first place is because of the wedding coming up on NXT, the uh, Indy Hartwell, Dexter Loomis affair. The match made in and purgatory. Dexter, match made in purgatory, yes, sir. And Dexter Loomis plays a crazy character, and Indy Hartwell plays a wacky character. They're, they're, they have a long way to go to be this insane, Boris. We open up with Bobby Heenan in his dressing room yelling at Jameson. Jameson. I didn't realize Jameson was in the WWE in August of 91. I thought he showed up at the end of 91, right at the start of 92. He was around for the Royal Rumble, and that was it. I didn't realize how much play. He got six months more than that in this company. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Absolutely insane. So we got, like, the typical, like, Gene Oakland getting progressively more drunk and dirty as the night goes on. We got Coco Beware showing up dancing around bushwhackers show up with a giant novelty submarine sandwich full of sardines just pure wackiness we get some matches on the card boris things like the superfly snooker versus the brooklyn brawler yep. we're getting things like paul roma versus tim patterson from edmonton alberta canada don't you know canada not <laughs> canada that. that's not a place <laughs> i love that but yeah so this is just absolute insanity so it is worth watching if you like like crazy campy wwe 90s stuff because this is some of the like great lost uh wwe content like i'd never seen or heard of this until i was like googling SummerSlam 91 stuff and this came up watched it it was great so there is a couple huge there are a couple huge storyline things in here though for one we see jake the snake roberts trying to get into the macho man's bachelor party boris and being denied he is turned away at the door and then they go back to the studio uh where it, this is happening in the primetime studio where macho man savage straight up says well you know i uh, don't like snakes yeah so uh, the snake man is not invited because with him he brings the snake yeah so uh anyway <laughs> sorry i had to work in the impression you had to but- number one <laughs> I loved it just because, like, you know, as I feel like as a kid, this would have been awesome to watch just because this literally set up why, you know, stuff happened, right? Like, it's it's crazy. Exactly. That, uh, yeah, it's like, man, oh, man. Um, and number I, two, I know that Macho Man had a legit fear of snakes. So I feel like that was more of a shoot, <laughs> that little yeah. promo that you just cut, as opposed to, you know, <laughs> anything scripted. Which is... Which is all the more insane that they did the Cobra bite uh, a couple months down the road. Anyway, so yeah, Boris, this is just a full-on party. We get we get things like slick twerking. We get things like uh, like a like a large lady jumping out of a cake and chasing down Bobby the Brain Heenan because that's comedy in 1991, Boris. You know And then funny? of course we get the bo- go ahead. So sorry for cutting off. What's what I always find funny is that let's think of the year. It's 1991, right? And this is a variety show, for lack of a better term, right? With skits and, yes. and ra- random stuff going on. And we always make fun of WWE being behind the times. Think of this. This is my theory. Vince McMahon watched an episode of SNL for the first time and he wanted to recreate it. Boom. Maybe because it was a pretty cheesy, pretty wacky. This is like prime Dana Carvey years, prime church lady years of SNL. So, Boris, I think you might be onto something. Uh, we got more matches like Barbarian versus Jim Powers. I actually did like and thought that we got a three star match on the show. 
Kato with Mr. Fuji versus Marty Jannetty. I actually really like that. Marty Jannetty, one of the great underrated wrestlers of all time. Really, really good. He is only the only problem with Marty Jannetty is that he got in his own way at every twist and turn. But yeah, so and he uh, just still a crazy, does. crazy. And he still does to this day. We got a funeral funeral parlor segment with The Undertaker. Um, lots of, uh, you know. Lots of 1991 in this show. But yeah, the big takeaway here, Boris, is we got a storyline explanation for why Jake the Snake was so pissed at the Macho Man. And yes, it's cheesy. Yes, it's dumb. But it's better than nothing. It's better than him just showing up. Because Jake the Snake was technically a baby face at this time. Until the uh, the segment with the Cobra in the box. Where he just randomly gifted Macho Man and Elizabeth a present, which was a King Cobra, right? So, but this, we kind of have a storyline explanation for it now. So, I, I guess we had it then in 1991, but I was not aware of it. So, Boris, I, I actually quite like this. I would definitely recommend it to anyone who likes cheesy 1990s wrestling goodness. It's out there on the YouTube. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the big show itself. WWF SummerSlam 1991 from Madison Square Madison Square Garden August 26th 1991 yes. Vince McMahon classic nuptials turn to napalm oh my god just classic Vince McMahon the triangle of terror Sergeant Slaughter Colonel Mustafa formerly the Iron Sheik and General Adnan taking on Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan in the main event so the first match was a six man tag British Bulldog, Ricky Steamboat, and the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, versus Power and Glory and Warlord. I thought this was, yeah, pretty good 1990s tag. It was, uh, you know, all action in the 1991 kind of way, right? You're not getting, like, uh, 630 splashes and hurricanes, but you're getting a lot of uh, Texas Tornado and some, uh, some good Ricky Steamboat selling. That's why he's there. That's what he's there for. I would put this at a three- uh, three napalms out of five, Boris. You know 60% funny? napalm percentage on yeah. this one. Thinking about the competitors in this match, it's kind of like these are the guys, the six guys who opened every pay-per-view between 91 and 92. <laughs> it's so true, eh? Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. Power and Glory were a great tag team. They were a fun, squashing jobber kind of tag team. One of the best finishers ever in wrestling, the Powerplex. Yep. All right, then we got the uh, the real main event of this show. One of the best matches of the 1990s. Arguably the best match of Mr. Perfect's career. I'd say I can name you two or three better probably, but it's up on that list. One of the best matches of Bret the Hitman Hart's career. Intercontinental title, Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart. Bret Hart wins his first title in WWE. Better people than I have waxed poetic about this match. You can find literally like 40-minute YouTube videos about this match. This is an all-time classic. Four and a half napalm bombs out of five. 90% A-plus all-time shit. Watch this match if you haven't in a while. Yep. I, I absolutely love the ending of this match when uh, Mr. Perfect was trying to get all foxy and uh, Bret Hart ends up ripping his tights off and he just kind of wears them along with the belt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's so good. It's like his trophy. He took the trophy from Mr. Perfect. Also, 
this is a low level version. Perhaps it's it's like I don't know why you'd even say low level. This is right on par with Shawn Michaels versus Steve Austin from WrestleMania 14. In terms of you know that one of the uh, competitors here, in this case, Kurt Heading, Mr. Perfect, is in dire pain. He is, you can see that he's a little, he's a little thicker in the body than he usually is because he hasn't been doing cardio because his back is completely ruined. He hasn't been working out like he usually does. And you can just see how much pain he is in. Like if you're really looking for it, you can see that Mr. Perfect is struggling, but you wouldn't know it because it's still such an incredible performance, but you can just see he's in pain, man. Yeah. And this is the match that arguably, arguably made Bret Hart a single, uh, uh, like a real legit singles wrestler. Um, just from the whole story, the whole wrestling match with him and Mr. Perfect yes. and having his parents at ringside, like everything about this, just, it's like you, it just screamed babyface and superstar. It was the storytelling in the match, too, because he was the first man to break, to kick out of the perfect plex, I think. They said that on commentary. Now, it's possible that Hulk Hogan did it six or seven times, actually, if you think about it. Maybe the Ultimate Warrior did it, too. But they said that on commentary, so that was the story they were telling. And the way that he applied the uh, the sharpshooter, I thought, was genius. Mr. Perfect hits him with a leg, uh, like, tries to hit him with a leg drop to the groin, but Brett, on the ground, catches Perfect's leg, ties him up in a grapevine, throws him over, boom, sharpshooter, Perfect taps immediately, A, because he didn't want to be in that hold because he was in great pain, but B, because they were putting Brett Hart over, and that move made him look like a million bucks, and he kind of, in this match, took the title of the master technician, the best technical wrestler in the company, from Mr. Perfect. He kind of like outclassed Mr. Perfect. He is now the most perfect technician in the company. Just a genius wrestling match. Just beautiful, classic stuff. Four yeah. and a half, easy. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Next, we have a match that was not beautiful or genius. The Bushwhackers with Andre the Giant versus the Natural Disasters with Jimmy Hart. You can't find a worse matchup on paper, even in 1991 WWF. This might be the worst matchup they can do on paper. Dude, honestly, I remember watching this as a kid and thinking Andre the Giant does not look good. No, man. Yeah, he looked he looked old and sickly, and it, truthfully, he would pass away two years down the line. So, yeah. But, like, this was, this was, I think, his last WWF pay-per-view appearance was it not i believe i want to say yes but i don't recall. yeah I, I think it was anyway when 6 30 it felt at least twice that long it's uh it's one star and that is even being generous one napalm out of five big fail uh, next, we had a match that went way too long, but it was still pretty good. Uh, Ted DiBiase versus Virgil for the million-dollar title. This is the, the crowning moment for Virgil. He The highlight of his career, he wins the million-dollar title in 13 minutes. It felt like 20. It, it, it went way too long. They ran out of stuff to do. But you know what? The storytelling was such. The moment was such. I can't call it any less than three napalm bombs out of five. Definitely a, a one of the one of the good feel good moments of early nineties WWF. It's so true. Just because like I love the storytelling in this match and even within the match, it was kinda like Ted DiBiase, even in the match, was making Virgil look stupid and feel stupid and treated him like nothing more than, you know, his servant. Um and and you know, the commentators did a great job of building up the story and it kind of made up for a lack of Virgil's wrestling abilities. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just remember as a kid loving this. As an adult, I'm just like, all right, can we get this over with? 
Yeah, I can I can 100% see both both sides of that. But yeah, this one was for the kids. This was the underdog story. Rowdy Piper was too annoying, though. Rowdy, he was definitely rowdy on commentary, losing his mind for Virgil in this one. He was on something that night. <laughs> he was on he was on one or two or five. Yes. Uh, next, we had another perfect example of probably a below average match in the ring but just a classic bit of storytelling jail house match big boss man versus the monty boris dude this match was okay but the mvp the star of the show was um the bounty dude the skits throughout the night after this was just gold and not everyone aged well, uh, specifically the last <laughs> the one last at one. the end of the show. It was just just homophobic trash, just 1991. But honestly, a couple of these skits, they held up. Like, they were funny to this day. I laughed out loud at two of them. Like, the first time you see Mounty just being dragged, I laugh because he's so crazy. And then, you, you want a finger? Here's yeah. a finger! And he oh, yeah. gives the classic, the middle finger. I thought that was great as well. Jacques Rougeau's a funny dude, man. He's an engaging speaker. You see him in shoot interviews. He's a little cocky. He's a little, well, everything I did, it was the best, of course. But uh, but you know what? I actually love Jacques Rougeau. Like, he's like, he's a, he's an engaging speaker and a heck of a wrestler for the 90s. Yeah. So I, I, wouldn't, I couldn't look myself in the mirror and say this was less than three napalms out of five. Classic yeah. bit of wrestling promo shenanigans at the end. Yeah, Jacques Rougeau. Ever, if, if you ever have the time, YouTube any one of his stories because this guy will always tell the story um, of uh, when he beat up the dynamite kid. He is just yeah. to this day proud of that fact. Oh, absolutely. Even like he toned it down and he seemed a little like reserved in the dark side, but he still got it in. He still told you that he beat the shit out of the dynamite kid in the dynamite kid's dark side. So yeah, he's yep. proud of it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so this was a match that would have been awesome four years down the road, would have been awesome in WCW, would have been awesome in any other company at any other time. But in 1991 WWF, they weren't doing weapons and plunder and interesting things. So we got a no DQ match, Nasty Boys versus LOD for the WWF tag team titles. Pretty much the most neutered, most basic no DQ match you'd ever see. I'm going to give it one uh, napalm bomb out of five but the doomsday device did grant the legion of doom their first tag team title in wwf man going through this card this is such a feel-good show eh like yeah. not well, only that's the thing right remember four pay-per-views a year so your fate this is the big pay-per-views were typically when your faces won the program yeah, like a million percent. And yeah, they were getting face wins here. So I would, uh, yeah, I would say that was about one uh, napalm bomb. Another one napalm bomb coming up here. Greg the Hammer Valentine versus another new character in 1991 WWF. Erwin R. IRS, the evil tax man. So yep. uh, IRS was arguably the most boring and generic wrestler of the 90s like just a ton of long abdominal stretches grabbing the rope very slow and he's wrestling greg valentine whose entire gimmick is that he doesn't get going until the 15th minute of a match like he is the slowest of slow wrestlers so this was very very boring 1990s superstars kind of match irs wins in seven minutes we're going one napalm bomb out of five for that one as well all right, Boris, then we had the match made in heck. 
Colonel Mustafa, General Adnan, and Sergeant Slaughter versus Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. Another bad match on this feel-good show. And we've heard the story of this match told a million times. Ultimate Warrior runs backstage after the run-in, and then all of a sudden he's fired, and he doesn't show up again until WrestleMania 8. Um, but the actual in-ring match is something that you don't ever need to see. 12 yeah. minutes, 40 seconds. Also, Hogan. You forgot that there's a special guest referee. Oh, that's a really good point, buddy. I did actually forget because such so little happened with it. But yeah, Sid Justice was the special guest referee. Thank you for pointing that out. Sid Justice, the special ref in this match. Um, yeah, so heels cheated a lot. Sid, of course, did a little bit to stop them. And then Hogan threw powder in Sergeant Slaughter's face. Big boot, leg drop. And yeah, they won in uh, 12 minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, you know, pretty bad match, but the crowd loved it. The crowd was super into it. It was exciting to see Hogan and the Warrior together for once. So I would go as high as two out of five, two napalms out of five, just because the crowd was so into it. And this did effectively blow off the Sergeant Slaughter, Hulk Hogan storyline. Now, it before we go blew off further, Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Before we go any further, I wanted to touch on uh, the desert storm match hulk hogan versus sergeant slaughter they did a bunch of desert storm matches around the loop there's one specifically june 3rd 1991 from msg also on the youtubes that's an awesome match that's a top five top 10 hulk hogan match four and a quarter four and a half ish kind of napalm bombs kind of match it's an all-time classic check that one out that should have been the main event of SummerSlam 91 hulk hogan versus sergeant slaughter desert storm match specifically the june 3rd 1991 match from madison square garden yeah beauty 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 man yeah it's such a weird time in wf because it's like when you think of the names like sergeant slaughter a whole first off sergeant slaughter being a heel still to this day amazes me um, so weird you know, yeah and then you had like your new your wwf newcomers and sid justice rick flair undertaker was really just getting started around this time uh you had irs and yeah it was just such a weird like the beginning of the transition in my opinion was around this time absolutely typhoon just started tugboat yes. turned heel on the bushwhackers to become typhoon which broke my little heart i was just so confused why tugboat would do such a thing yeah but uh yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. Crazy. So, yeah, and of course, we finished SummerSlam 1991 with the match made in heaven, Randy Savage and Elizabeth's kayfabe wedding. They had been married in real life since, I believe, like the mid-80s, right? Like 84, 85, right around the time that Savage came to WWF. They got yeah, married in real life. Something like that. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, this was, like, Boris, like, the most straight-up, straightforward pro wrestling wedding of all time there were no shenanigans it was played straight it was just a gift for the fans it was just it was meant to be a nice real quote-unquote wedding and yeah. that's that's how they played it and well, the pay-per-view went off the air the pay-per-view the, the actual pay-per-view went off the air with like a big hug and a big kiss and everyone celebrating now a week later on primetime tv they showed the wedding reception where they the the famous Jake Roberts Cobra in the box angle happens, and on the Coliseum video for SummerSlam '91, if you rented that at Blockbuster, like I'm sure we both did, you would see that angle. They actually yep. put it on the on the video. So I thought that was actually part of the show. 
I thought that was actually part of the pay-per-view. Same. But it wasn't. This pay-per-view went off the air with a happy moment. And yeah. this is one of the most feel-good WWF pay-per-views ever produced. Yep, 100%. Yeah, I actually owned this video. Um, it was one of the few videos that, like, well, not many, not well, not few, I should say. One of the many videos that, that I owned, Coliseum-wise. <laughs> um, and, yeah, like, for me, for the longest time, I thought that was part of the show for some reason. But, nope, nope. They were just giving us highlights of what happened after. Um, I still don't understand uh, why Undertaker showed up with Jake the Snake, but it was a nice little touch. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, indeed. I That kind of made no sense. But yeah, it was actually Undertaker who hit Macho Man with his urn first. Yeah. But uh, before even Jake did anything. But yeah, a very entertaining show to go back and watch. I would also, if you're going to watch SummerSlam 91, or even if not, check out that Sergeant Slaughter versus Hulk Hogan Desert Storm match to see a classic Hogan match. Really, really good stuff. Yep, exactly. Oh, man, I love these retro reviews, retro looks, just because, it, like, you know, I like talking about kind of where WWF or whatever promotion we're talking about was, um, and, you know, especially my memories around watching that, if it was something that was in my radar. You know what show we got to watch? Um, it was uh, WCW and AAA did this pay-per-view, I think, I want to say, like, 94, 95, uh, War oh. of the Worlds. Um, oh, man, yeah. it, was, it was crazy. When worlds collide, yeah, yeah. It. it's with when the uh, Eddie collide. Guerrero. Yeah, it's with that that awesome Eddie Guerrero uh, and Love Machine art bar tag team match, right? Yep. I, it's Octagon and someone else. I forget yep. who. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, man. Oh, let's let's definitely watch that. I would watch that show for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then in, uh, next year is a twenty year anniversary of a certain promotion that we're going to be talking quite a bit of here and there. Oh, man! I'm both so excited. And ready to quit on that after like five or six episodes. But yeah, if you think back to 20 years before the spring, summer-ish of 2022, 20, uh, you know, it's going to be a 20-year anniversary in May of a certain promotion starting up. And this promotion will not die. It refuses to die. It's a cockroach, boss. Dude, it's crazy when you think about the fact that WCW, in as its WCW name, lasted longer or lasted shorter than um, than than this promotion. All right, before we go, we do have one last thing to go through, and that is talking all things NWA because the way that we usually preview shows is by going through a pick contest. Yes, sir. So Boris, you are a two-time pick contest champion we usually do these in chunks in seasons from big four wwe pay-per-view to big four wwe pay-per-view so this current season started at nxt takeover 36 and it will end at the wwe survivor series in november yep yep so that's three and oh all right well we'll see big homie we'll see but uh so we both went perfect for the first time. We It was the first time that we both picked the exact same card. And good thing we did because we nailed every pick. We are now 5-0 and oh going into NWA Empower and NWA 73. Boris, we have 13 matches to pick right now. So let's not dilly-dally or waste any more time. All right. Starting with NWA Women's Tag Team Title Tournament. So we have two semifinal matches and a final here. So the first semifinal, Allison K and Marty Bell versus Renee Michelle and Sahara Seven. Ooh, 
Okay, so I'm gonna have to say Allison K and uh, yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. K and Marty Bell. Yeah, I agree with you. So for the record, I have already written down all of my picks in pen on the side. They're pen. They're they're written down. They're set in stone. No matter what you say. So I might agree. I might disagree. But that's just going to be the way it goes. So Boris, we both take Marty Bell and Allison K to win that first match. Match number yes. Match number two. The other semifinal. Velvet. Red Velvet, sorry. That's Red Velvet and Kylan King representing AEW versus the Free Babes, Boris. The F- NWA's female version of the Freebirds. Yep. I'm going to have to say the Free Babes. You're saying the Free Babes, eh? So the you Free see- Babes, for the record. Go ahead. Yeah. So they are Jazzy, Yang, Hollywood, Haley, Jay, and Miranda Gordy. And here's the thing. Part of me, my brain part of the brain that I should listen to, I should say, says that it's going to be a, um, you know, Allison, the Hex, Allison K and Marty Bell versus this AEW team. And, you know, AEW is going to lose um, because only apparently only AEW women lose against any <laughs> other promotion. But, um, you know, I don't know. I just feel like they're they're trying to do something with these free babes being the free bird gimmick of, you know, the women's division. And yeah, so that's Jazzy Yang, who is the daughter of Jimmy Wang Yang, Miranda Gordy, who is the daughter of Terry Gordy, and Hollywood Haley J, who I believe is the daughter of Slam Master J, aka uh, Jesse of Jesse and Festus fame. Yep. I believe that's correct. Okay, anyway, so yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, the AEW tag team. I think the exact thing that you outlined there is going to happen. So I think the AEW tag team wins this, but Marty and Allison win the final. So I'm going to say Velvet and Kylan King win, and we're both saying that Marty and Allison win these titles, right? Correcto. All righty, so there we go. Next up, we have for the Impact Women's title, Deanna Perrazzo versus Molina. Yeah, Dorana Prazo. There's no way Dorana Prazo is going to lose. Nah, not to Molina. A million percent agree with you. Next up, we have a interpromotional triple threat match representing the NWA Kylie Ray, representing AEW Diamante, and representing AAA Cheek Tormenta. Yeah, this one's uh, pretty hard, but but I think Kylie Ray is going to win this one. I agree with you, uh, especially because Kylie Ray is wrestling Mickey James the next night exactly. on NWA 73. Exactly. So I 1 million percent agree with you, buddy. 1 million percent. All right, coming up next, this one's the hardest match to call across both shows to me. The 10 woman invitational gauntlet. The winner will face the NWA women's champion on NWA 73. So the 10 names in this gauntlet are Bianca Corelli, who I believe is the daughter of Santino Morella. Yep. Or is, am I wrong about that? No, no I think that's that is, her. right? That's her, yeah. Yeah. Chelsea Green, Debbie Malenko making her return to wrestling after 20 years, Lady Frost, Janie Senegal, Genocide, Kira Hogan, Tootie Lynn, Misha Slamovich, or your girl, Boris, Thunder Rosa. Man, this one's, this one's so hard, but... This person has been getting a huge push on all promotions. That is Chelsea Green. Nice, nice, man. So here's what I did. I wrote down 
genocide. And then I crossed genocide out because genocide already has an NWA title opportunity gifted to her from the championship series. So she doesn't need this title shot. They are pushing her strong though. So I crossed out genocide and I wrote Chelsea green, but then I thought about it and I crossed out Chelsea green and I wrote genocide again, but then I convinced myself that it's going to be neither of those two women. And I've settled here, as you see with four different crossouts on Kira Hogan, Boris, Kira Hogan is my choice. It's not going to be Thunder Rosa. Okay. Because I think she's going to start this gauntlet and beat like six girls and then go out. It's not going to be genocide because she already has a title. I don't think it's going to be Chelsea Green because Chelsea Green is a heel. And Chelsea Green is going to wrestle Camille, I think, who is also a heel. So I think it has to be a baby face. And I'm thinking it's Kira Hogan is getting this win. All right. Let's see if your logic works. Watch uh, <laughs> watch Bianca Corelli win. <laughs> that would be actually kind of dope. I'd be for it. Uh, all right. And then we have the main event of NWA Empower. Camille versus Layla Hirsch. For the NWA women's title. Yeah, Camille. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, gotta, zero doubt in my mind. Be, no doubt at all. Gotta be Camille, although I do think that's going to be an entertaining match. All right, so moving on to NWA 73. We're going to start off with Battle Royal. Winner gets a title shot at the NWA national title. And uh, that is Combatants TBA. Yeah. So, I believe that the final two people in this match are going to be Sal Ranallo and Colby Carino, and Sal Ranallo is going to win. Sal? Oh, no way. You know what's funny? I didn't even consider who the final two would be, but I have written down here, your boy, Colby Carino. Yep. I think he's getting the push. I think he's definitely the best young star that NWA has, and I think that he should be the one to win this match, so I'm going Colby. Yeah, cool. Next up, we have six-man tag, DePope and DeEnd versus Tyrus, Jordan Clearwater, and the Masked Man, a mystery kind of guy. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Pope and the End. Yes, Pope and End, babyface win, setting up Pope versus Tyrus again down the line. You know who needs I agree with that. to leave the company? Austin who? Idol. I just cannot stand Austin Idol anymore. Oh man, people love Austin. Like he's he, yeah. Some people love him. He's like I I don't know. I, I I agree with you. I think he's a little. There's a little too much Austin Idol for my take on the on the show. I don't love him that much, but he is he is Southern wrestling, you know. Um. Our next, we're gonna go to the NWA Tag Team Titles: Aaron Stevens and uh, Kratos versus Bestia Six 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 and Mecha Wolf Four Fifty. Yep. Whew, this one, to me, is a little hard, uh, but I think it's going to have to be your champions will retain, so Aaron Stevens and Kratos. Nice. I was getting worried that we'd pick the same thing over and over. I actually am going with Bestia and Wolf here, just because I do think it's time to change these titles. In the, uh, in the champion series, they were kind of playing up a small amount of dissension, between Stevens and Kratos. Yep. Wouldn't shock me if they broke those guys up. I'm going tag team title switch, Bestia and Wolf. Right. Um, just random thought. Did you watch that uh, promo of uh, Aaron Stevens and J.R. Kratos uh, the, when they're hyping up in power, but they did it in old-timey wrestling style? Actually, no, I haven't. I'll definitely check that out, though. Yeah, it's hilarious. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. All right, here's a match that I don't know the rules to. A brawl in the loo. It is a triple threat 
hardcore-ish kind of match, I assume. Thom Latimer, Tom Latimer versus Crimson versus Tim Storm. Mm, I'm going to have to say Tom Latimer. Yeah, I also am going with the boy Thom. Thom Latimer. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we have for the NWA national title, Chris Adonis, the former Chris Masters, versus James Storm of TNA fame. Right. So the way that Chris Adonis won the belt was very controversial. So this being NWA, this being a pay-per-view, you know, let's restore peace and harmony back into the wrestling world so James Storm will win. Nice. I like it. I like where your head's at. I think... I like I like your logic, except I think the opposite. I think they're going to yeah. give Adonis that strong win to kind of establish that he is a worthy champion. I, so I, I'm going to go. Yeah, it can go either way for both of our arguments. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go with Chris Adonis on that one. Next up, we have Mickey James versus Kylie Ray in a special challenge match. I'm going to have to go with Kylie Ray. Yeah, agreed. There's no reason to beat Kylie Ray here. I think she's going to get a big push over these two shows, win both matches. And there's no reason why Mickey James should win. I 100% agree. Not that Mickey James isn't great, but, you know, she's the veteran. She doesn't need it. Uh, All right. Next up, we have the winner of the women's title match versus the winner of the women's gauntlet. So, in my opinion, that's Camille versus Kira Hogan. In your opinion, that's Camille versus Chelsea Green. Yep. Camille's going to win. Yeah, no matter who Camille's facing, Camille's going to win. She's getting the big push. She's huge. She is uh, definitely needs these victories. I agree. Camille will win. I think she beats Kira Hogan. And next up, the main event of NWA 73, title versus career match. Nick Aldis, NWA champion, versus Trevor Murdoch. So with because this is a title versus career match, because of, you know, I just think it's time. Who knows what... Um, Nick Aldis's contract status is, I think just because it's time, Trevor Murdoch is going to win. I 100% agree with you. I thought he was going to win on the previous NWA pay-per-view. I do think it's time. I think he's going to get a big moment here in the the chase, as they say, the old building uh, where so many NWA legends did their dang thing. I think Trevor Murdoch wins the NWA title. Big feel-good moment. And one one quick question for you, Matt, because we are done the pick contest. Where does Ric Flair fit in all of this? That's a really good question, man. That's a very interesting question. He's going to show up. He's going to do something. I assume it's going to be with, with Nick Aldis. Maybe he throws Nick Aldis in a figure four or something. Who knows? Can you imagine if he comes out with um, Andrade for the uh, the Battle Royal? That would be something. And then Andrade wins the NWA national title. That'd be actually pretty cool. That would be humongous. I, I, I do not see that coming. I, would I don't either, but off. it's like I'm, I'm looking up and down the card unless they do like a special presentation or something. Like I'm trying to f- see where Ric Flair fits. And I know that Ric Flair is a type of person that if he's going to be involved, he's going to be involved. You know, so. Yeah, I think he's throwing someone in a figure four. I wouldn't be shocked about that. Uh, Austin Idol. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Austin, Maybe Aaron Stevens. Maybe he throws <laughs> Damian Sandow in a figure four. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're both 5-0, and oh, and after this show, it's going to be a... It, there's going to be a new champion atop the leaderboard. Yep, yep. This is going to be good, good times. Good times for sure. 
All right, Matt. I think that is it, dude. We we did so much in a, in such a short amount of time. Um, but as always, there are many ways that you can find us. You can find us at Bam Sports and Ant on the social medias. Um, you can also go to Bam Sports and Entertainment.com. You can find all our episodes, everything that we do there. Um, you know, if you're coming from the SNME radio feed, I want to thank you for being a patron. If you're coming from BAM Sports and Entertainment feed, I just want to thank you in general. Go check out SNME radio because there's so many, so much content. Every day you get one show, one wrestling show, and it's so much fun. If you want some NXT talk or soon-to-be BAM merch, go to ballergear.ca. Everyone, thank you so much. It's been fun. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah.